Good morning. Um, you know what? I wasn't actually going to mention the fact that I've probably had the worst night's sleep I've had in a long, long time because I didn't want you to feel sorry for me, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a rough night. Um, I had a migraine this morning because I've had no sleep, but we give God all the glory. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm excited to share um, what I believe God would have um, us here. Um, and today we continue our series on peace. Um, and who in this place has ever been stressed? Good. Who in this place has ever been worried? Good. Who in this place has ever been anxious? Awesome. Um, why, that's, why that's good is because it means you're in the right place. <laughs> um, and you know what? When I was praying about what I'm going to share today and praying about what God would have me say. He led me to the word and I, and I, and I started looking to see um, how many times the word peace um, is written in the Bible. And what I found out was that the, the word peace itself, not peaceful or variations of the word peace, but the word peace itself appears over 300 times in the Bible. And why origin for me is because it tells me that God has a lot to say about peace. Yeah? It tells me that God is concerned about our lives and whether we are in peace or not. All right? um, and one thing that I'm going to say is um, the extent to which we have peace is wholly dependent on ourselves. Um, it's not external for the most part. It's wholly dependent on us. And as I was praying, there were four things that I believe God wanted me to share today. These are not it's not an exhaustive list. It's not, these are the four things you must do to have peace. It's just what I believe God would share with us this morning. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to say four things, but for each thing that I want us to know, I'm then going to tell us what I believe we ought to do in order to experience that peace. Sound good? Sounds good to Barry and Vicky. That's cool. And Jeff. Um, I'm going to start with a story. So interestingly enough, probably about I was checking the date, not the time. <laughs> um, about a year ago, no, sorry, two years ago, um, we, me and my wife, we got married. Well, we were get, no, we were getting married because we're two years next Sunday. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but about a week, no, two weeks to the time we were getting married, I was in work on a Tuesday and got rushed into hospital. Um, and some of you wouldn't, would know this story, but for those who don't, I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, so I got rushed into hospital and they had no idea what it was. The whole, side of my, the whole right side of my body was shut down, pain, couldn't move it, all sorts. Um, got discharged. They didn't tell me what was up. A week before we got married, um, we hosted a mission trip um, in Manchester. It's not like a mission trip in like Venezuela or something. So it's not, it's great work, but it's not the same. Um, different um, and then um, still experiencing the symptoms that got me rushed to hospital and then we got married um, and then we got back from honeymoon um, and then on the Saturday and on the Monday I went back to work and then on the Tuesday um, I ring my wife I'm like I'm, got, I'm being rushed back to hospital because um, I was in the back of an ambulance at the time um, and they did all the scans, they did, they did what they need to do this time around. And they, well, 
the consultant came in and says, you've got a brain tumour. Um, and so, the, when we heard that, our response was laughter. Um, and as a doctor would do, he'd say, I know it's going to take time to settle in. <laughs> Give it time. Um, but we were just like, all right, cool. And then the gentleman that was opposite me, he was like, oh my gosh, what a shame. It's like, dude, timing, right? Like, I've just been told I've got a brain tumor. This guy's in the bed next to me. And you're so young as well. I'm like, <laughs> thanks for the encouragement. Appreciate it. Um, but what I had to do was we had to search our hearts. Because when you get news like that, and you respond in the way we responded, there are two reasons probably why you respond that way. One, either fear, or secondly, it's a genuine response. Um, And I'm here to say that it was a genuine response of laughter because of who God was and because of what we knew in God and what we knew about God. And so I'm not here as some sort of beacon of what it's like to be in peace in all situations. I'm here to say that it is possible for us to be in situations that are absolutely dire and still experience the peace of God. All right? So what we're talking about this morning is experiencing peace no matter what. All right? Um, Now, the word experiencing, it's an interesting word because it suggests a fleeting momentary um, example of, of, of the thing. However, when we put it together with this, with, with the rest of the sentence, no matter what, it means that in any situation, we will have the peace of God. And what we need to do in order to have the peace of God. All right? So like I said, we're going to talk four things. If you're making notes, write them down. There's slides that will come up. Um, and we're going to talk through them all. All right? So the first thing that I believe is, that is crucially important for us. If we are going to experience the peace of God, no matter what circumstance or situation we find ourselves in, is that we have to know who God is. We have to know the God that we serve. And the reason why that's important is because if you know who God is, you know what he can and cannot do. All right? You know what he is and is not capable of. You know, you've got that person who you contact when you need something. Yeah? Because you know what you can receive from that person. In the same way, when we know who God is, we will know what he can and can't do. If you turn with me to Matthew 8, and we're going to read from verse 5 through to 13. And this is a story of um, the Roman officer and his servant being healed. It says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralysed and in pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. That's awesome. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness. And they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home, because you believed it has happened. 
and the teen servant was healed that same hour. You know, this story is also um, told in the Gospel of Luke. And when you read the Gospel of Luke, what it says is that I'll project. That, oh, should I use this? Wicked. I use them both. <laughs> Hello? Wicked. Um, and, what, and what you find out is that it was actually his servants that were sent to speak to Jesus. And when they came to Jesus, they came to him begging. They were saying, God, please, please, please heal this man or heal this servant. Now, what I want us to notice is the contrast between someone who knew who God was or Jesus was and someone who didn't. And what I'm talking about is not, is, is not just head knowledge, all right? I'm talking about a belief in your heart that dictates how you act, okay? And so what we see is the servants knew who Jesus was. They understood who he was because they'd seen him so they could identify him. So when they got to him, they were begging him, trying to convince him of, who, of why he should come and heal this man. But if we contrast that with the Roman officer, when he saw Jesus, he was like, no, 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 no. I know who you are. I have a peace and a faith that all you need to do is speak the word and my servant will be healed. Why is that important? Because when we know who God is, it will dictate how we act. When we believe in our heart, it will change the way we act. It's not just about what's in our head, because that's knowledge. What's in our heart is a belief, and belief changes the way you act and when you respond. All right? So when we believe in our heart who Jesus is, we'll have confidence in situations that we ought not to have belief in. All right? And so that's what we, we need to know. What do I need you to do? I need you to get in your word. I need you to get in the Bible and read about who God is. Yeah? This is the word of God. And as we turn to it in this instance, I want you to turn to it as a history book and not a story book. And there's a reason for that. Because stories, as we all know, can be fabricated and changed. If we start this front left, my left, your right. Yeah, and the story is, I also sold a portion of chips for 50p. That gets passed on, person to person, to person to person, weaving all the way to the back. We get to the guys at the back, and what the story actually is, is Io sold himself for a portion of chips, and all he's got left is 50p. <laughs> yeah? Chinese whispers, you know how it works. The story changes as it passes along. But when we look in the Word of God and as a history book, real history is not, is not fabricated. It's evidence of what has happened. Okay? So as we turn to the Word of God and we look for evidence, when we read stories about um, Jesus raising the dead to life, and what we're reading about is evidence of a God who can turn seemingly impossible situations into possibilities. When we read in the story about Jesus, part, a God part in the Red Sea, what we see and what we're reading there is evidence of a God who makes a way where there is no way. All right? So when we turn to the Word of God and we read evidence, what we're doing is gathering something for us to stand upon so that when our situations arise in life, we can stand and say, no, I know who my God is and have peace irrespective of what it looks like. Okay? So that's the first thing. We need to know who God is. And in order to do that, we need to get in the Word of God. What's the second thing? The second thing is we have to be conscious of what we speak. We have to be conscious of how we speak in and out of our situations. You know, there is creative, restorative and destructive power in your tongue. 
Okay, the Bible says that the power of life and death is in your tongue. And that's why when I said before that your ability to have peace in your situation resides in you. Because if you're a person that speaks negative all the time, what's going to happen is that's what's going to come out when you're in your situation. You see, we see the destructive power in the tongue in the story um, where Jesus cursed the fig tree. So him, the story is him and his disciples are walking um, on a journey, all right? And they come across this fig tree because it's the heat of the day. They want something to eat. They want something to replenish themselves. Boy, it's hot up here, boy. Um, and what happened is Jesus come, comes across this fig tree and it's not producing fruit. So what Jesus says is, thank you. What Jesus says is, no one will ever eat from you again. And what happened is the, that fig tree withered and died. All right? So the next time they came around, the disciples saw that that tree had withered and died. That's evident of the destructive power that lies in our tongue. All right? And on the flip side, creative power, there's no other evidence for it than in the story of... All right, it's all good. Than in the story of creation. Yeah? Because God said, and it was... God said, and it was. God said, and it was. And so when the Bible tells us that the power of life and death is in our tongue, that says that we have the opportunity and the potential to speak life or death over our situation. And in the same way, it's important who we allow to speak over our situations. We see that in the story of Job, don't we? Because Job had friends around him who were speaking essentially death over his situation to the extent that God had to say, no, 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 no. I'm God, you're not. Yeah, I'm in control. I'm the one that you need to listen to, not your friends. You see, it's interesting because when I was diagnosed with a brain tumour, obviously you speak to close friends and family, as you would, right? Um, and there was a, a certain conversation that I remember. And this person was speaking to me, and they were speaking from their concern, their natural concern, yeah? Um, and where me and my wife were at the time, we were in a position of faith. We believe the word of God and we believe that irrespective of what it looks like, God will get the glory from our lives, right? And so when we got the news and I was speaking to this person, they were speaking from their concern. But their concern came from a place of fear. And what happened was, as I was speaking to them, I could feel their fear gripping me, literally. To the point when I said, no, 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 no. If I continue in this conversation, my position will not be a position of faith. My position will be a position of fear. And so what I will do, instead of standing on the word of God and saying, God, I know who you are. It's going to be, God, please, 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 please. Not that it's, it's wrong for us to go to God with a real heart desire. But our position ought to be a position of faith. And so when I say it's important who we allow to speak over ourselves or over our situations, that's important because someone can be speaking out of fear and concern and that can alter your position. And it's important where we stand and where we place ourselves in those situations. So again, what do you need to do? You need to be a person that speaks life. You need to be a person that speaks the word of God. And it's not just quote-unquote positive thinking or speaking. There's a power in that, yes. But what, what I'm talking about here is speaking the word of God over our situations, all right? Because the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And when we stand on the word of God, that's a rock that will not be shaken, 
All right. So, you know, when we're in a situation that is traumatic, what we need not to do is rely on transient things. Vicky spoke really great about this last week. We can't rely on things that can be moved because things that are created and things that can be moved will always fail you. Fact. Always fail you. It might not happen every single time, but you will get let down by those things. And what we need to do is stand on what cannot be shaken and what will always remain true and what is always going to be right, which is the word of God. And so we need to be people who speak life and not death. There's a quote that I, I, I hold really dearly and it says, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act, but a habit. Why is that important and why is that relevant? Because when we're in a situation that we are unsure about, an unexpected situation, what we revert back to is type. Essentially, we revert back to our default position. And so if your default position is always to speak death and negativity, that's what's going to happen when you're in a, in a, in a bad situation. You're going to revert back to that because that's what you really, really know. And so what we ought to do is get in the habit of speaking the word and the life of God over situations. Don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, I feel it's going to be a long day. And then when it happened, you say, oh, I told you so. No, what happened is you spoke death over your day and it's manifested itself. That's what's happened. And so what we ought to be is people that say, no, 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 no. I'm tired this morning, but praise be to God who is my strength in all situations, yeah? Because when we speak life, we will, we will, we will we'll receive life, all right? So in order to have peace in our situations, we need to be people that are speaking the word of God, which is truth, which is life over our situations. Amen? Are we getting something this morning? Awesome. And the third thing, and it's what Vicky spoke on um, last week. So what I'll do right now is encourage you, if you didn't hear it, Get on the website, please. Download it and listen to it. It was a fantastic sermon. Straight from the mouth of God, absolutely. And the third thing is, we need to keep our eyes on the maestro. We need to keep our eyes fixed on God. Why is that important? In Matthew 14, verse 22 to 33, what we read there is a story of um, when Peter walked on water, all right? Now, the background to the story is the disciples and Jesus said they were going to cross this lake. And Jesus said, I'm going to meet you on the other side, all right? They got in a boat and started traveling. And as they were traveling, a storm arose. And what happened is Jesus, they saw Jesus coming through the storm walking on the water. True story, fact, it's evidence of a God who can walk on water and doing seemingly impossible things. But Jesus called to Peter and said, come, all right? And he began to walk on the water. But when he looked down, he began to sink. Now, what is that? why is that important? What's that about? See, when I read that story, I see that the water is life, okay? The water is circumstances. The water is situations that will try and engulf us. We're all going through something or the other. We've all got concerns and things that are on our mind and on our heart. Life, yeah? If we focus on those things, we will sink. Because we've all got so many plates that we're spinning. 
if we focus on those things, we will sink. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, what we see in that story is a God who will reach down and pick you up and help you through your situation. Now, why is that the case? Because if you focus on your situations, what you are inevitably saying is, God, my situations are worthy of my focus over you. But when we focus on Jesus, what we're saying is, God, irrespective of what my situation looks like, irrespective of what I feel, where I am in this moment, you are still worthy of praise. That's why when when we come together and we sing songs, I love it so much. Because we have an opportunity to declare the goodness of God over and above our situations. We have an opportunity to say, God, this is my situation. This is the depth of my situation, but you are still worthy of praise, irrespective of what I feel, irrespective of what I'm going through. And so it's important, (laughs) it's important that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And what do you need to do with that? Just that. Get in the habit of putting Jesus in his rightful place, which is at the centre of your life. And that's sort of a segue, unintentional, but as it happened, into the next point. The next point is, we have to understand that we are not in control of our lives. If you're a Christian in here, you have made Jesus the Lord of your life. Now, in this day and age, we don't really use words like Lord and things like that. So we don't necessarily always understand the weight and the depth of what that is. But when we say that Jesus, your Lord, what it means is, you're the one that is driving. You're in the driving seat of my life. I put myself in the passenger seat. I put myself in the back seat. And I'm making you Lord. Because you are Lord. Because you created me. And so if you created me, you know how to direct my life way better than I do. Growing up, um, I grew up in a single parent home. Um, and it wasn't until a lot later that I realised the depth of not having a father and the impact that that had on me of not having a father. And so growing up, people would always say, oh, what does success look like to you? <laughs> and people would always say, oh, it's having this job, having this home, having this, having that, all these things that they could have. And I would give that answer because it was easy. It was the right answer to give, yeah? It's what people really wanted to hear. They didn't really want to hear what was actually going on in your heart. But when I go away, for me, what success looked like for me is that my children could turn around and say to me that I'm a good father. And for years, I would say, Jesus, God, you're Lord of my life. What I actually meant was, God, you are Lord of 100% of all the things I could care less about. And you're, I'll give you 5% of the things that I really, really worry about, which meant that when I'm trying to control it, and then when I realize that I've got no idea what's going on, I'll ask you to help step in and help me. Are we people that give God Lord of all the things we care less about and nothing of the things that 
that are really true and dear to us. Because what that looked like for me is everything pertaining to being a good father, in my mind, provision, like character, all that sort of thing, I was like, I've got to control that. I've got to make sure I've got the right job. I've got to make sure that character-wise people can say, oh, I owe this. Like, I was in control of that, or so I thought. And then there came a time when a friend of mine was writing a book and he asked me to write a chapter in the book. Um, he's not written it. I'm probably going to get on to him because it was a good chapter. <laughs> but I was writing about all like things that I'd learned and I was like, oh, females and da-da-da-da. I was like, meh, meh, it's a bit naff, this book. And God was like, that's because that's not what you need to write about. You need to write about you learning to surrender all to me. Because when we surrender all to God, we see that we have peace. Because when we, because he created us, yeah? He created you. He created me. And if he created you, he knows what is right for your life. He knows what is good and what is right in your life. Yeah? And so we have to get to the place where we surrender all to God. Because if we don't, Ultimately, we're going to find ourselves worrying, anxious. You see, we worry about and we're anxious about the things that we can't control. Ultimately, if we really boil it down, when you're really worried about a situation or really, really anxious about a situation, it's because you're trying to lay hold of it. It's because you're trying to control that situation or you're unaware of how it's going to work out and you're like, no, 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 I need to know how it's going to work out. And God's like, no, no, you don't. You need to trust me and trust that I am a good, good father. And so when we say, God, you are Lord of my life, what we really need to be saying is, God, I surrender everything. Not just the box that I've put you in over here for the things that, that I don't worry about, but everything in my life, the things that I hold dear to my heart. You know why? Because what's dear to your heart is dear to his heart. And we have to trust that he's a good, good God. You see, that's why I, I, from time to time I, I love to speak to the older generation. And the reason I do that is because they have stories. And they will say things that to some of us, or for those that have been in the church for some time, will, will consider cliche, like God is good or God is faithful. But when you speak to these guys and you hear their stories, when they say God is good or God is faithful, there is a myriad of experiences that, that are tied up in that one phrase, in those three words, that God is faithful. Because they've seen the faithfulness of God year in, year out, time and time again. And so we have to surrender all our lives because God is a good God. You know, there's, a, there's a, a passage that says, for those that love God, all things work together for those that are called according to his purpose. And God really challenged me on this because what we have to know is that the, when, when we say those who love God, the Bible also says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so the first thing is with that, are you in line with what God would have you do? Are you living the life that God has designed for you? And then secondly, all things work together for those that are called according to his purpose. Now, if you create something, there is a reason for which you created that thing. Yeah? And so whether that's just for pure pleasure or whether that's because you want something to come out of it, it, there's a job for it to do. If you create it for a reason, it's a purpose, okay? And so if we're here in this, in, in this room today, if we're breathing, it's because we've been created. 
which ultimately means that we've been called according to his purpose. Okay? So the first thing is, are you walking in alignment with God? Because that's what demonstrates your love. And secondly, if you're created, you are called according to his purpose. And therefore, glory to God, all things will work together for your good. All things will work together for your good. Even though it might not look that way right now, you have to believe that if you are walking according to the plans and purposes of God for your life, you're where he would have you be. You're living the life that you ought to live as a child of God. You can be confident that all things work together for your good. All right? And so we have to realise that we are not the captain of our ship. We, we ought not to be anxious. There's a quote from um, a guy that I, I'm going to say I know, but I don't know him, I know of him. And it says, God says to the anxious, I tore my son to shreds for you and you're afraid I won't give you what you need. God sent his son to die for us because ultimately he knows what we need. We ought not to be afraid of this. Now, this is not to say, and please don't hear in anything that I've said, that your situation or your circumstance is not relevant. Okay? I'm not trying to downplay the weight of your situation. But what I'm saying is, your situation is great, yes, but God is greater. Your situation is powerful, but God is stronger than that. Yeah? He controls all things. He is in control of all things. And so we need to know that he's a good, good God. He's a good, good father. And if we're going to experience peace no matter what, the first thing we need to do, um, guys, if you want to come up and start strumming away, <laughs> um, the first thing we need to know is that we have to know who God is. Because if we know who God is, we know what he can and cannot do. We know that he cannot fail. The Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today and forever. So when you turn to the word of God and you see evidence of the things that he's done in the lives of those in the word of God you can take that as evidence and say no no God you said you are the same yesterday today and forever and so that tells me that I can experience the same things in my life I can experience the same God the same faithful God the same good God in my life we have to turn to the word of God I think there might be a slide that's got loads of passages on it um, that comes up if you need to take a picture of it it's just some scriptures that we can turn to. But ultimately, we need to get in the word of God. Is this yours? Oh. <laughs> we need to get in the word of God. And when we get in the word of God, we see who God is. Second thing, let's be people who speak life and not death over our situations. Let's be speak people who speak the truth of the word of God over our lives and over our circumstances. And this is not important just when you're in a bad situation. This is important every single day, every single moment of your life. We ought to speak the word of truth over our lives, okay? And the third thing, keep your eyes fixed on him. Put him in his rightful place, in the order that he ought to be, which is at the throne of your lives. Dethrone yourself from your life and enthrone him. Put him in his rightful place. And we'll see the goodness of God. And the final thing, we need to know that he is in control of our lives. If you have surrendered your life, if you have surrendered all to him, you can have ultimate confidence in a good, good father.
you can have ultimate confidence in a God who loves you so much so that he sent his son to die for you. That's awesome. And you know what? We, we thank God for his son. You know what? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you because you are a good, good father. We thank you because you love us so, so very much. And you're concerned about our peace. You're concerned about the little things. Lord, your word says that even the hairs on our head are numbered. God, you, you are passionate about the finite details in our life. And God, I know that there's some of us in here that need to put you in your rightful place. Help us, oh God, to surrender all to you. We thank you for your love for us and that we can experience peace no matter what. Help us, oh God. Amen.